So I'm like, uh, how about instead of this week, we we just don't record a podcast and we just play Fallout instead. What, what do you think? Fallout? Yes, no. We talk about this movie. Uh, it's I mean, hell yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, dude. Megaton is calling my name. <laughs> well, guys, uh, welcome to the Messed Up at Midnight podcast. We are the show that's stayed in the 1940s despite being born. In the 90s. I'm your host, Max Steele, and as always, I am joined by the Marlowe Chandler to my Philip Hammer, the man who survived more nuclear radiation than a Waffle House employee. It's Michael Flaherty, everyone. I got I got I got I got the same like uh martial arts capability as a Waffle House employee as well. I'm ready to beat I'm re- uh, my radioactive ass is ready to ready for some beatdowns. That's all I'm saying. I'm Waffle House Wendy up in this. <laughs> well, guys, despite how much I love Waffle House, we got to step away because Mike, Mike, you were very when we first got on this little Zencaster thing that we're doing, you were very adamant. You're like, I want to jump right in. So, guys, we're talking about the movie Radioactive Dreams. This movie came out in when was it? When was it? When was it? It was, it was in the 80s. 84. This movie came out in ah, 1984. Yeah. And we guys, we got a lot to say about this movie. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to my co-host to start us off with. Mike, what did you think of this movie? Okay, all right. I just want to set a scene on radioactive dreams in general. It, and this is more. Think of this as less of me giving a synopsis because that's my co-host's job. I'm more. I'm gonna vision board this for you all before we jump into it. Take. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Then take a little bit of Mad Max. And then take a... Then, you know what? Sprinkle in just a, just a dash. Just a dash of No Retreat, No Surrender. That's this movie. Mm. It is just... It's got... It, it is... It's got the post-apocalypse. It's got... The, it's got the main characters who are just... Who are just wild and interesting in the weirdest ways possible. And it's just ridiculous to the nth degree. And then it's got the 80s soundtrack that just hits oh my, and doesn't dude. stop hitting. Mike, if you would let me please jump in here real quick. Because you mentioned the soundtrack. And I, before we even talk about the movie, I want to say, guys, this soundtrack does not have a right to go this hard like it is as 80s as can be but it is like it's like that good 80s shit like oh my god like i I kid you not i was listening to one of the songs on this soundtrack before we started recording and i can see myself listening to this soundtrack while i'm at the gym while i'm working it like it's it's perfect I I I shit you not. I will do push-ups to guilty pleasures i will do push-ups to guilty pleasures (laughs) So how we normally you guys kind of have an understanding of like how we find these movies or come up with them. But I want to peel it back a little bit. I want to I want to tell you guys the story of how I found this movie. So a couple of weeks ago, I was at the Days of the Dead horror movie convention. First of all, they're not sponsoring this, but great convention. I got to go there. I got to meet Damien Leone, the director of Terrifier. And I also got to meet Bill motherfucking Mosley. Get his autograph. Told him about the podcast. He's probably already forgotten about it. But, you know, for that one brief moment bill mosley knew about this podcast and that just warms bill my mosley. little heart bill, for for a split second bill mosley went 
I knew if I knew how to get to a podcast on my phone, I would totally listen to it. And you know what, Bill? We applaud. We appreciate. We appreciate the thought of an attempt. We appreciate that. But anyway, I just wanted to tell you guys that it's awesome. So one of the booths that was there, they sold DVDs. Like they've like your Attack of the Killer Tomatoes Part Two, like Pick Your Elvira special. I even saw fucking Mac and Me for sale over there. <laughs> so I was going through, and I was, and uh, my girlfriend was looking, and I got an idea. I was like, you know what? I'm sure I could find something good for the podcast here. So I go to the guy that was running the booth. I, I think I think his name was Sean. I don't know if that's not it. Then I apologize. So I go to him, and I'm like, hey, I do this podcast, and I gave him the spiel, and he thought about it for a second. He was like, follow me, and he like goes over like four aisles and picks out this fucking movie right here and yeah that, that's that's just how we got it i want to give a quick shout out though to vhsps go follow them on instagram they do like direct vhs to dvd transfers of like lost and forgotten films sean if that is your name thank you so much for introducing us to this movie because holy shit i had a <laughs> i had a time bless watching you. this bless you for for introducing us to this because my, my word, my word, this movie is just, I, I will not forget this movie. <laughs> this movie, I'm, I'm, I'm already going to jump in and call it as it is right now. This is how much I love this movie. This is up there with No Retreat, No Surrender, and A Night to Dismember as like quality starting off the night strong this, first like movie. A quint- Drunk movie night movies. The, the quintessential messed up at midnight movie. It's gonna it's gonna be a tough race, man, to figure out like which one of these mm-hmm. movies is like the one. But this one makes a strong contendership. And I really like the way that you put this movie in a nutshell with taking elements of like Buckaroo Bonsai, like Buckaroo Bonsai, No Retreat, No Surrender, and um, oh, what, what was the other one? Um, what was the other Mad one? Max. Mad Max. Because it's like all of those movies, despite Mad Ma- Mad Max, we haven't covered that yet but i feel like taking all of that it watching this i was like i feel like i have seen this movie on the podcast before in a good way there's one time Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say in a good way yeah this is again i i totally hey a night to dismember this movie no retreat no surrender buckaroo bonsai this is why like even chopping mall and samurai cop these are the movies that that like inspired us to start this because we would never have known this gem even existed if we weren't doing this and my god i would have been worse off without knowing Mm. that this movie existed oh my god so i want to go back a little bit i mentioned vhs uh the the concept of vhs not the fucking franchise but (laughs) with um i guess what that's what they did like what the VHSPS, what they did was they took the uh, VHS and turned it into a DVD. I guess that's what they did with this movie because when I was researching, Radioactive Dreams has yet to get a USA DVD or Blu-ray release and was only released on DVD in like a limited format in Germany. Damn. Damn, the Germans The Germans got lucky. The Germans got Dude, they, lucky. They... <laughs> Ha, Hans and Fritz were sitting there just chugging back some brews watching this banger. Meanwhile, we were just stuck high and dry. I mean, you can't find it on YouTube real easily. 
Yes. But like, yes, man, you can. What, what, what about us hardcore, you know, DVD collectors, man? What about us? What about Blu-ray people? Come on. Abs- Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Keeping, <laughs> I like, I, all 10 of us, we're, we're out here. We're out here and we like it still. <laughs> so one thing this movie also introduced us to was director Albert Pune. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. I feel like he might become a, a familiar face on the podcast, despite the sheer number of movies that he's he's made. For instance, The Sword and the Sorcerer, a buttload of kickboxer sequels, Cyborg, Aliens from L.A., and I, I just love this title, Max Havoc, Curse of the Dragon. But I think his most notable film would have to be Captain America, the 1990 version. I, oh, I, it is, it's pre, it's pre Iron Man Marvel. This is pre, this is pre, this is pre fucking Spider-Man. This is pre Spider-Man. This is back when, this is back when. 1990. That's when that, that's when Captain America, uh, Albert Pune's was released. That's before the that's before the OG Fantastic Four movie, the one that never got released but got leaked onto YouTube. It's <laughs> dude, like I pre I, I, this is a this is a dead horse by this point. But pre Iron Man superhero movies are just a golden a golden gem for me because either they're classic nostalgia scratching like movies like spider-man hell i'll even throw ghost rider in it i saw it when i was a kid <laughs> like sure we'll throw ghost rider in there and or their movies like the fantastic four marvel movie and this and the captain america movie and i love that albert pune has this much of a lexicon of ridiculousness he, he is like he's going full tr- he went full trauma <clears throat> With his like, yeah, we're just going to do whatever, man. And, you know, before we started recording, I watched a video that I think I I think he had sent in to some uh, cinema that was playing uh, Radioactive Dreams. And you could just tell by watching him talk that, I mean, he, he just loves movies. He loves making he loves making them. Oh, unfortunately, he started mm-hmm. having effects of early onset dementia unfortunately is no longer with us but just by watching him talk about like learning about films and the movie that you guys are about to watch was one of my first movies. like it it just it really inspired you to like go out there and just kind of go after whatever it is that you want to do just with the sheer mm-hmm. like passion in his eyes and his voice it's exactly that's that's what i love about these ridiculous ass movies because there are a decent amount of them that are soulless cash grabs. And you know what? That's fair. But like, there's also a huge amount of them that are people who are in it for the love of the game. Like they mm-hmm. have no interest. They, like, of course they'd love to get big and turn into like the next Martin Scorsese, but like they're here because they, they like it. And Albert Pune is like a prime example of that. This dude enjoys movies and just wants everything to do with them. And I just, I love the hell out of that. Now, Mike, I'm we're we're going at this early. 
because I know you and I want to get to talking about this movie, so I'm just going to get right to it. Mike, this movie were a drink. What would it be and why? Okay. All right. All right. I'm coming at uh, I'm I'm coming at you with a situational cocktail. It's mm. a cocktail and a situation rolled up in one. Okay, so let's start with the cocktail. Prime example. Now this movie has characters who walk and talk. The main characters walk and talk and act like they're from the fifties, post nuclear apocalypse. Sort of a deserty vibe. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm already sitting there going, cool. So let's, we're going for a little like sci-fi nuclear war e cocktail. Okay, cool. I can work with that. This movie, but I was like, okay, what's the base? This movie doesn't have deep sophistication to it. It doesn't have deep development to it. This what this movie does have is is like picked and chosen noir movie themes like the gumshoe <clears throat> the narrate the the overarching sort of narrator all those vibes and 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 like even like the even like the suits that the, that the uh, main characters wear so we're like cool this movie's high octane this movie's cheesy as hell and this movie just grabs you by like the shirt collar and drags you along with it. And the whole time you're just kind of happy to be there. So I'm thinking tequila. This movie is tequila. We haven't had a tequila. I don't feel like we've had many tequila movies on this. We've had mostly whiskey movies and like a few like vodka movies here and there. But this is, I feel like this is a tequila movie. So I was like, okay. Tequila. 50s atomic the atomic cocktail a drink popularized in las vegas in the 50s and 60s that post-nuclear sort of vibe an atomic cocktail has vodka cognac sherry and some champagne like a brute champagne okay we're gonna make some adjustments to make this more radioactive dreamsy obviously vodka for tequila that's that's already just right there. The cognac, we can stick with that because I feel like cognac still also has those. The cognac has the themes of, you know, that 50s sort of noir theme that the movie kind of has an overarching level. So we're cool with that. I'm down with that. The sherry, I feel like the sherry and this may just be because we we reviewed Sarah T and that is the permanent etching of sherry as a as a as a liquor in my it brain. Never be the, it will never be the same again. It will never be the same again. So all I could think of was this movie has the lighting lighting uh, lighting similarities of a night to dismember and uh Sarah T. And I'm like, as a result, I'm like Sherry, Sherry, because it just oozes the that messed up at midnight look that we that that I'm always hunting for. So I'm like, okay, cool. Finally, the cold champagne. Cold champagne isn't that's not that's not lively enough. We need some bubbles. We need a punch. We need something that makes you go, holy shit, what? So that's why I suggest for our bubbly of choice. We swap it out for a whole fucking can of Red Bull 
because Ooh, this movie, yeah. this movie, you're gonna get drunk. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be bumping, and you're gonna be enjoying enjoying the high octane cocktail. Now, finally, the situation. You can't be enjoying this sitting down in a quiet lounge. What I'm envisioning you enjoy this cocktail in. This cocktail is the cocktail you enjoy at 7.30 at a bar that you know is setting up to go off. Think of it as a Friday. You're after work and you and your friends are like at a bar. You're like enjoying your drinks. But there is an air to the bar and you just see the workers begin to lift chairs up out of the way. Not yours, but you can just look around and go, it's about to get sloppy. It's I, I can hear the music and the music's no longer slow, like indie music. It's now turning into some thumpier music. <laughs> so you grab yourself an atomic cocktail or the one I just described and you're drinking that because, you know, you got to get ready to go wild. You can't just you can't just jump into it. So that's my that's my thing. That's the that's the it's the atomic dream. Honestly, I love it. I really do. I think I was watching this and I was thinking tequila, but I went in a little bit of a different direction because I felt like it couldn't just be like, I, don't know. I love it. I really do. I think I think you hit oh, the yeah. nail on the head with this one. I, I took a little bit of a different approach in trying to somehow, some way combine old school noir, post-apocalyptic Mad Max thing, sci-fi elements, a banging soundtrack that screams 80s. Mixing in, mixing in some adventure elements and a dance number at the very end. So, oh, I love, God. I love what you did. With, I love what, I love what you did with the drink. Let's Hell see yeah. how I can combine all of these elements. So, okay, let's start with the noir. I'm thinking rye whiskey. You want tequila? I want whiskey. Well, hopefully, I'll hit a tequila drink here soon because I really, I really okay. want to do a tequila drink. Hell let's yeah. stick with like. A, a George Dickel rye or a bullet whiskey, like your classic basic rye whiskey that you've seen detectives drinking in a CD bar playing pool. Let's throw in like two shots for our two leads, Philip and Marlo. Next, let's look at the post-apocalyptic Mad Max thing and the adventure thing in the city. We start in the desert for, you know, the first part of this movie. So I'm thinking let's do a ranch water there. And then later they go into like a seedy city. So I'm thinking Sprite for that, you know, when you when I'm thinking like, oh, let, let me go up to the gas station to get a Sprite and some flaming hot Cheetos. Like we got that desert thing at the beginning and the city thing at the end. So, OK, ranch water, half ranch water, half Sprite. Sci-fi elements in the 80s. Nonetheless, I'm getting like a very like neon color scape with this. Not like a not like a cyan that we've normally been seeing, but like a neon pink color. So let's go get us some kinky pink liqueur. Let's put a good chunk in for this drink because, you know, dear Lord, when like we get to Edge City, especially at the end, it's just so fucking vibrant. We, we got to get that pink color in there. And you know what? I'm going to add I'm adding this in for the sheer absurdity of swearing children in white suits trying to be like absolute monsters. <laughs> Let's mix in some motherfucking cherry Kool-Aid in there as well. <laughs> we'll get into those. And to kind of like wrap it all up, let's put it into a cocktail glass. And let's rim the glass with pre-workout 
or cocaine if you're into that because <laughs> this soundtrack <laughs> has really got me feeling some type of way like as soon as it kind of like I'm, I'm like let's fucking go i'm so ready for this so that is my radioactive dreams experience i love it i love it i love the 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 double shot of whiskey because you already know that's really gonna the like this movie will get you feeling some type of way in oh, yeah. just about every way you could think. The ranch water for the for the desert, that fits perfectly. I love the cherry Kool-Aid, dude. I I love that you brought up the swearing kids. Like, I love that. And then also to top it all off, the pre-workout rim. <laughs> just like the idea of just someone just like sitting there, just like just getting a mouthful of pre-workout mixed into their cocktail is just startling. And I love it. And it's gotta be in like in like a cocktail glass, you know? Like a martini it's, glass. Yeah, like a martini glass. It's gotta be it's gotta be that. So yeah, I <laughs> Mike, I'm not gonna waste any more time. I'm I'm let, mm-hmm. let's just let's just get right into talking. But about this thing called radioactive dreams. In 1996, great decade, great year. Sorry, I'm already so excited. So a nuclear war broke out. During the war, every single nuclear missile was launched except for one. Okay. Can we take a second? <laughs> this is this is literally like black screen, white text, like we've talked about before, and that's the first thing you see, and you're like, okay, all right. Like, Here, every, just such, every fucking nuke in the world, bam, there we go, fuck the world. That's that's such an intense opening, like just so out of left field, just everything, everything, Jesus Christ. But hell yeah. Except for one. 80 cent. And to fire this last missile, two special keys were required. Whoever possessed the keys would control the most powerful weapon in the post-nuclear war. A weapon which would make the key holder ruler of all cities in the radioactive wasteland. Our first shot is trees. An eagle calls out. We come down. Some person sits in a tree while a kid sits underneath playing with something on the ground cut some old guys just talking in a cave while they load up a car then we cut to the kid on the ground who's like watching a pine cone but holy shit a nuclear bomb goes off and the adults bring the kids back while the kids watch this explosion i mean it's like fucking mushroom cloud and everything opening credits the soundtrack rises radioactive dreams fucking comes in it looks 80s as a hell but then we cut to later some kid with long hair april 1st 2010 really did happen in 2010 dude it's like Everyone was really banking on the mayan calendar everyone was really banking on the mayan calendar to pull through God, watching 2012 nowadays is just fucking ridiculous. But no, it we're not is. talking it's about goofy. <laughs> so they two guys, they talk in like this dark hallway. We see one guy, 
they broke through. They walk through these underground tunnels. The two guys pop their heads out and like everything's like in this black and white thing. So one dude cuts another guy's hair and they're all dressed in like 40s detectives and they're dancing. And these are our two leads. We got Philip. We got Marlo. Philip, you guys might know him as uh, John Stockwell, who would later go on to have a bit part in Top Gun. And Marlo, played by uh, Michael Dundikoff, I think that's how you pronounce his name, would later go on to have his own franchise in American Ninja. That's hell yes. Hell yeah, he would. Oh I, my I God, love, American Ninja. I love Ninja. that. <laughs> that's so awesome. I feel like we're going to come back to that one. Definitely. There's no way we're not. American Ninja, that's too good to pass up. So they entertained themselves while surviving the post-apocalypse with swing music and detective novels. They're planning to leave the shelter and go out into the world. This was the only world they knew, you know. Philip would practice magic. Hell yeah. Fucking respect, man. <laughs> a lot of, Mar- lot, of, lot, of magi- lot of aspiring magicians in these movies that were really? watching, huh? R- right? Right? It's it's a weird niche that's coming up more than I would have expected. You know, I, it's dude, a lot of, I wasn't expecting lot of it. what's that behind your ear? I wasn't expecting it at all, but you know, here we are, and I'm I'm kind of here for it. You know, top ten ma- top ten magicians in the messed up at midnight movies. Uh number ten, huh. <laughs> Philip. Number nine, me. Absolutely. Please, please, please. Please. I need recognition. I bought the Chris Angel set. (laughs) I bought David Blaine's biography and read through it 11 times. Please give me it. Sorry. No. Okay. Got to focus. So, and so, yeah, like I said, Philip would practice magic and Marlo would dance and they had their goals of being private eyes. So the two cigarettes and magnums in hand start heading out to the world. Philip and Marlo, they're talking. Philip is like, the people who locked us up were not our fathers. Why didn't they come back? And Marlo was like, because they're dead. And then we cut to the boys in their car, nervous to head out into the real world. Marlo is like, I don't want us to change no matter what happens. No matter how famous and rich I get. No matter how smart you get. I just want us to always be us. The gate opens wide. We see colors now. It's like the fuck. It's like fucking Wizard of Oz up in here. And they head out into into the world that was 2010, a, a, a desert, a wasteland. And Marlo's like, I bet there's nothing but lovesick dolls out there. You think the world's changed much? And they're just like, nah. And then we fucking get. They hit the road. It's 80s synth pop. It's like, it's like. I don't fucking know Smokey and the Bandit, but like in the in if it took place in Mad Max in the eighties. <laughs> my favorite thing is my favorite thing is after that black and white title card and the radioactive dreams. When they get out of the when they get into the color and they get out into the real world, another radioactive dreams title card pops up, and you're just like, <laughs> hell yeah, we're doing it again twice, dude. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's. It's so good. I it makes just, me want to take another beer. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's I I just love that these guys, these guys are like, it's like narrative foreshadowing just laid on so thick. They're like, that the world hasn't changed at all. We're gonna stay the same. No, there's gonna be so many hot babes who are coming after us. You're like, oh god, all right. But after this opening uh driving 80s thing 
they almost hit someone. Then another person. But we see them. They're like mutants. So, like, I mean, it's like fucking, you know, five foot nine people in like makeup and shit. So they like shoo them off. And then Philip gets punched. Then we freeze frame. Philip monologues over this. That was our introduction to the post world. The dame with the wicked left cross. By the time I came through, Marlo agreed to help her. And the woman asks if Marlo works in porn. Marlo's like, I'm a private eye, ma'am. Marlo wants to drive. Philip says no, but Marlo gets in the back seat. So later we find out this girl that they've taken is named Miles Archer. And apparently they can still fucking listen to the radio. And radio mentions something <laughs> about criminals looking for Miles. So they make small talk. Miles laughs. Marlo tries to like swoop in, but Miles threatens him. But then they stop. Miles goes to get out and Marlo offers, you know, to help. And Miles then fucking, I don't know, sexually assaults Marlo by kissing him without his consent it's, and it's, takes his gun, calls him a nerd, and then Marlo like drops some shit. I, I, I do love that. I do love that, that like of all of that that occurs, like one, the radio works. I love that. If there's anything I've learned from Fallout and this, it's that if we enter a nuclear apocalypse, if the radio don't work, I'm going to be real mad. I'm going to be like, well, damn, how am I supposed to listen to my 50s swing? But on listen, top man, of that, AM, AM radio is still going to be here. It's it's on a comeback. It's, it's like we're AM radio. It's like the cockroaches in your walls. We ain't never leaving. It's. But that that and also, yeah, the fact that she sits there and like steals his gun, kisses him, which is, hey, that's not okay, and then calls him a nerd and leaves. And like Marlo's like, what a gal. And Philip's like, what does nerd mean? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> like, like they, they definitely had nerd back in back in the 40s and 50s. Come on. <laughs> this is why you gotta keep your kids up on culture, guys. Just we're just saying. So yeah. Like I mentioned, Marlo, we see that he dropped something. So Miles leaves to go talk on a payphone, which definitely were still a thing in 2010. And we cut to some road. Then we cut to like literally the road warriors driving on motorcycles. I dude, I love it. I love it. They they literally, it's these people in bright orange hairdos and they got like fucking wigs on. They have wigs and they have football football pads on, which I love that in in <laughs> Mad Max was created this idea that in the in the apocalyptic future, everyone is just gonna wear a lot of sports protective equipment. Like it is just gonna be a lot of hockey masks and and like football pads. And chaps for some reason. Yeah. So many so many chaps. So many chaps. It's like cow- it's like cowboy all over again. So yeah, Miles hears that a car is on the way, but she sees something coming, and then she just fucking leaves. There's these two guys alone, but she drops her keys in Marlo's lap. It's something Miles would regret for the rest of her life. So the two dudes they leave their car, and Philip and Marlo they see this other car driving. Then they get shot at by not the road warriors. Then they get in their car and just haul ass away from the redheaded road warriors. We get our car, our first car chase scene. And they got like a wooden trailer that they're pulling. It gets put on fire. Their car gets stabbed. The ginger road warriors like jump on the car and like lick Philip and Marlo does a 
backflip to dodge an attack on a moving I, car. I love that. It, I that love so, that. Dude, that was apropos of nothing. We have not been taught that these guys know parkour or something. We have all we've been told is that these guys are just like these people who have grew grown up on nothing but swing music and, and detective novels. This road warrior is fighting Marlo in the back of like a trailer of some kind. And quite literally, like Marlo just runs up against the wall and does a fucking backflip around her. And I'm just like, what on fucking earth? In what 40s or 50s noir film did someone just bust out a backflip? And then, I mean, I guess he's, you know, in this underground bunker. So he's got all the time in the world to practice. I mean, yeah, I guess. But it's just just Good feels for like him, a very I guess. weird thing. <laughs> feels like a very weird thing to be like, I'm gonna master this while I'm in my bunker. <laughs> so Philip exposes his ass on the hood of his car. The trailer is like really on fire now. One of the road warriors gets her wig taken off and she is bald, and she gets choked with that wig. The trailer gets detached from the car and then explodes, and then the road warriors <laughs> leave. Hell of an action scene to, to just start us off. God, it's just so, it's so much happens. So much happens. So then Philip and Marlo, they have a conflict. Their gas supply is run out because they removed the trailer. Marlo found Miles' wallet, and he thinks they need to give the wallet back, but the name Dash Hammer is on the wallet. He's like, wait, that's that's the name of Marlo's, Marlo's dad, or Marlo's dad. You know, maybe Philip's dad is alive as well. And Phil's like, you know, hey, stop calling them our dads. They locked us up in the bomb shelter because we were never supposed to get out. You know, we always thought they were dead. Now it just ain't so. They double-crossed us. So they head back on the road while missing a door that they lost in the fight scene. So they pass a sign, Edge City. And later on, they get... This is what I was talking about with my drink. <laughs> they get stopped by a kid doing his best, like white white suit mobster impression, and he's like, "Hey, you know, my his dad ran out of fuel, but his dad's like is like missing." But next thing you know, another kid wearing white just pops out and then draws their gun, their guns at Philip and Marlo, and scream, "Fuck you, motherfuckers! Get on the fucking ground!" Was like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my god." I, I gotta jump in real hot quick. These kids are so over the goddamn top. I live for it. It is what they're wearing leisure suits and have hair slicked back like they're mobsters, exactly. But it's just like they're like 10. Like it's not like they're like they're these like 16-year-old kids, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess they're like hard. They're like nine and they just have these clean suits. And they're like, fuck you, motherfucker. Get on the fucking ground. I'm like, Jesus, these kids are swearing a lot. I was like, oh my God. Like, it's just so, it's just so much. They like swear like 10 times in a sentence. I'm like, Jesus. Okay. All right. It's just so funny. And these kids have fucking full ass like blickies on them. Like, they, they, like, it's just the weirdest thing. And can we talk about this gang of children? It's called the Disco Mutes. Yeah, I hell of a fucking oh name my god! That is this group unnamed. of just a kid gang, like dude, just fucking stiff arm them and take take their guns. That that's all. That's all. 
Yeah, literally. You're a full-grown man. I was like, Philip and Marl are fully fucking grown, and they're like, they're getting held up by ten-year-olds that call themselves the Disco Mutants. Like, come on! Like, oh my lord. So the kids end up end up shooting the fuel tank of Philip and Marlo's car, and they they just fucking they're like okay, and then they take the magnums from the children, and then they fucking just like I don't know disappear. So the woman that the kids were torturing, that's in this van on the side of the road, ends up being all right, and she's dressed like a hippie. I put that in my notes for some reason. And then after some fighting, the woman introduces herself as Rusty Mars. That sounds like yeah. a porn, that sounds like a porn star. I'm that sounds just, like, dude. Half of the names in this movie sound like flat out porn names, <laughs> like Miles Archer, Rusty Mars, and you're like, you're like, oh come on, like it's just so it's just so unnecessary. Does that mean we're gonna get a um emerging between a night to dismember Samantha Fox? Who's who is a porn star? Yeah, and who is Rusty Mars? And Rusty oh. Mars, this made-up porn star name that we have. It's Samantha Fox is is Rusty, Rusty Archer. <laughs> Miles Fox. <laughs> so they look inside this nearby van, not Samantha Fox, the people in the movie Radioactive Dreams. So they look inside this van nearby, dead bodies, the van doesn't work. So now they're just having to just walk through the desert. Mars is like, wait a second, I knew Miles. She's a new age punk. I'd stay away from her. What are y- what's y'all's story? Marlo pipes up and is like, we're private eyes. And Philip is just like, Marlo, for the love of God, please stop. We are not private <laughs> eyes. <laughs> So I love that. I love way. I, but that's my favorite thing. That's my favorite thing is the entire time. Like <laughs> Philip is like, this is a new world that we are not prepared for. It is best if we keep a lot of what, wh- who we are to ourselves. And Marvel is like, I hear you on this. However, I'll raise you the idea of us announcing to the world that we are private eyes, even though we are not qualified. <laughs> Listen, man, he, he, I, Love the energy, Marlo. You might just need to need to cool it down when you're when you're talking to women. And then we'll get into that later. I, but yeah. I I love this energy. You know, he's like, I want to be a private eye, so I'm calling myself a private eye. I'm like, you do you, Marlo. It's like that you talking, do you. It's that talking into existence sort of positive affirmation sort of deal where he's like, you are a private eye. You are cool. Flat bills are gonna come back. <laughs> nobody's going to groan at this fashion choice in like 50 years. It's going to be cool, guys. You you won't get made fun of and called a newsies stand-in. So Rusty, she ends up dropping some shit. We get pictures of her past, her mom. Rusty asks uh, about Phil's pa- Philip's past and wants to see his wallet, but he's got nothing in it because he's been in a bunker for most of his life. So later on, they walk through a decrepit city. Rusty says, oh, it's getting dark. They can't be out at night. The radiation made some weird creatures. Then we get a voiceover from our boy, Philip. We made it to Edge City. Rusty warns me the city is mean and evil or dead. I was about to find out that being a private eye or finding our parents wasn't that important. Then Rusty pipes up and says, wait a second. I think I can help you find your parents. But the next scene, we move on. 
we get introduced to like I I don't know not rocking Robin like this woman while the embodiment of Greece slides in and kisses this woman who's dude, full, fully decked out in latex dude, fucking exactly how we did in the 2010s like I don't understand dude, it, I, like, exactly. <laughs> it's every throughout the 2010s we all dressed like we were Danny and Sandy from Greece it is just like I it's so insane to me like these people all it's this city I like to think that when the when the bomb dropped, this city was actually just a like a comic convention or something, like a decades con or whatever. And all these people were cosplaying their favorite decades. Because you have some people who were greasers from the 50s, hippies from the 60s, just people from the 70s. And then and then like in, in like regular 80s gear. It's just it is a sweeping decade of just people dressing. And you're like, oh, it's just the weirdest. There's no coherent time frame to where my brain can register that the bomb dropped. Because it's just, it's just a hodgepodge. And then you see a man wearing a flannel t-shirt, a flannel uh, jacket and a Nirvana t-shirt representing the 90s. JK, <laughs> just, they didn't know about that just yet. Yet. I just, it's just, it's just everyone else is kind of wearing flashy clothes and is like, Really just like hemming it up. And then you just see one guy. He's just He looks like he fell, <laughs> fell out of a trash can. He's wearing a Nirvana shirt and flannels and ripped jeans. And he's just like, I hate everything so much. I want to die. And you're like, oh, that's the 90s over there. We'll get to him in 10 years. It's a, it, like, like you said, it does feel like very like someone dropped a bomb on Comic-Con. <laughs> yes, like literally. It's- so, okay. So Philip and Marlo, they walk through. And then fucking Greece over there trips Philip and then kisses the latex girl. And then Greece threatens to like pound Rusty's butt, whatever that means. And then Marlo, <laughs> Marlo stands up for women everywhere and then gets shut down. Rusty pulls a knife on on Greece and then they fucking leave. So we move on. Phil, Philip, Marlo, and Rusty enter some like underground city. And we get montage of all the cool and kooky people like women dancing them philip marlo and rusty walking down i, I don't fucking know diagon alley or some shit yeah and exactly <laughs> fucking expecting a harry potter to come out of nowhere or wearing like fucking flower like a flower headband and like a dude. flowy just i don't know 70s jacket looking like looking no, like that no, one dude you, from texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> oh yeah exactly exactly no i was thinking i was thinking you it's 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 daniel radcliffe but from guns akimbo Oh my god! Where it's just him. He's got just like pistols nailed to his hands, and he's just walking around in slippers and a and like a like a bathrobe. I still need to see that movie. Ever since I saw that one behind the scenes, I was like, I I need to check this shit out, dude. I love they that that behind the scenes leaked like five or six years before that even like fucking like even even was announced. Like I just saw that and just went, what the hell is this? So. Not Harry Potter. Uh, Philip, Marlowe, and Rusty, they enter the Red Onion. It's some type of club. And then fucking Duck Dynasty is standing at the front being the bouncer. But Marlowe is also like, oh, I can't wait. He can't wait to get his rocks off. So Rusty leaves the two, and she goes upstairs. Philip is curious, and Marlowe just wants to fuck. But gets <laughs> called a nerd and gets pushed down by a woman, by a woman with a face tattoo. And... This is what I meant when I said Marlo's a walking sex crime. 
<laughs> dude. This is why your kids need to socialize at a young age so they don't turn into dude. this fucking guy. Dude, Marlo needs to keep his hands to himself. Marlo just needs to enjoy the moment, not not sit there and lay it on thick. It just really get get really problematic. It's just I was just watching it, just like it's just also like the like the girl goes, "You creep, fuck off!" And she like flips him off, and he goes, "Oh, interesting." So when he so when he like goes to the next girl to hit on her and just really like make everyone uncomfortable, he like sticks his middle finger in her face, and I'm like, I'm like, hell yeah, Marlo, it's just, yeah, keep keep at it, bud, keep at it. Listen, I just want to tell Marlo, like, dude, just go walk into the bathroom. Rub one out, and then when you come back, you'll, you'll just be clearer. You'll just be clearer in between in between the ears. You'll be ready to like focus. You'll be ready to like talk to people, and you know, be relaxed and cool. Don't, <laughs> this is what happens when you're on NoFap and you're alone, dude. He's literally, dude. Yeah, it's just the two bro. It's just the two brothers who are just sitting, who just sitting trapped in a bunker forever. Like, you're like, yeah, someone needs to sit there and just go like, hey, you know, just. Get one out and circle back. All right. Well, yeah, we can we can continue this conversation when we circle back. Right now, you're 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 entering dangerous waters. Listen, you got you, you just got to be clear in the head. I mean, Michael Flaherty tells me he rubs one out right before the podcast, just so he's <laughs> fucking clear in the head, re- ready to go, ready to crack jokes. It's like it's it's what are they a post nut clarity? Everything <laughs> everything is just so clear now. <laughs> You're just fucking ready to go. So, okay. Like Mike said, Marlo gets rejected. And then some, and then he goes back to Philip, but then some other woman makes out with him, with Marlo. And then Marlo walks off with two women. Now they start making out and like, okay. But then Rusty comes down and talks to Philip and Phil's like, Hey, no one here is friendly. But Rusty's like, Oh, don't worry. They'll, they'll, they'll get used to you. Do you like what I'm wearing? This movie is so horny. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Dude, it went from dude, it went from zero to horny so fast. Like, it was just like it was initially just like, woo, let's see what the world is like. And then the car chase just like the car chase just like had so many horny moments. I was like, oh jeez, all right. And then, and then now it's just now the horny's been cranked to eleven. <laughs> like But then Philip just breaks out the fucking Christian nationalism and is like doesn't anybody wear a dress around here? You know, I want I want to appease my traditional oh my values. God. Like that, that's, I really think that we need to get because back. If Jesus, like just came like, back, if Jesus came back today, would he approve of what everyone's wearing and what music we're listening to? <laughs> we should be listening to some Switchfoot and Reliant K, okay? So, okay, we move on. Uh, next scene, Rusty and Philip, they look they look like they're in a closet. They look in a closet, and Philip sees a dress, and he's just like, nice. Rusty's just like, I don't feel like wearing anything, you know? But then Philip just misses the point. He, he's focused. He's on a mission. He asks about these keys that he has. Rusty says, hey, don't be nervous. And she starts taking Philip's clothes off. She's like, I'm going to take your pants off now. And she takes his pants off and starts rubbing all over his body, getting all up in his personal space. She mounts him and starts handcuffing his hands to the table Okay, now Rusty is a walking sex crime. Except this this isn't a sex crime. This is like another type of crime. Like this is- some like Alice Cooper or some shit 
I comes bursting through, slaps a handcuffed Philip, and starts looking for these keys. I do. I I half expected to hear "schools out for summer" as you see him walk out. This dude is like. This dude's like Gene Simmons and Alice Cooper rolled into one. You see, I actually I actually had written down before Beetlejuice, but I was like, no, no, no. Alice Cooper is a little bit more accurate with what he's see, wearing. Yeah, see, the thing is, Beetlejuice has a chaotic, like, wit and charm to him. He doesn't have that sort of, like, bedraggled post-apocalyptic crackhead energy that this guy embodies. That I feel like Alice Cooper better, better embodies. And, you know, much like Alice Cooper, uh, this guy starts licking Phil's stomach and pinching his nose, all while Phil's like, I thought I could trust you, Rusty. But, you know, turns out this guy in the movie can't speak for the actual person, but is a cannibal. And he's just like, I'm like <laughs> I, I, cannot, I, cannot speak, I cannot speak for the actual Alice Cooper. That's something he does in his personal time. I'm only talking about in the movie Radioactive Dreams. We only, Please we don't sue the, me. The only, the only celebrity we know is... Uh, apparently he's apparently he's he's cannibal he's cannibal curious as army hammer but <laughs> have you seen those texts dude i i have seen those texts and you know i fucking like one day like this is one of those like celebrity things that just kind of like real quick tangent it just like fucking missed me completely so i didn't know about it until like last year and i looked up i was like oh, oh so that's where he's been huh the more you know, you're like, you're like, I'm you're like, I've been curious. I haven't seen a bit of him. And you're like, I liked him in Made from Uncle. Then you went, Oh, all right. <laughs> but moving on, moving on, moving on. This guy, this this guy, this guy, like, yeah, when he just went, when he just went, I'm going to turn you into a human patty. I was like, Okay, cannibal. Rusty's a part of a cannibal gang. Okay. I was like, That's a, it's a hell of a turn. Didn't peg Rusty for a cannibal. Because you know this movie already has so much shit stuffed in it. Why not put cannibals in it? Why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why? Why the hell not? So they weren't able to find the keys, but Philip's like, "Wait, why do you need the keys?" And now, and um, Alice Cooper's like, "Let's try some heavy shit on your friend." But then Philip starts freaking out. He's getting his hair pulled. He's getting tortured. He's not telling him where the keys are. But then Rusty, I guess she's feeling bad because she's just like, "For the love of God, Phil." Where are the keys? They'll let you go if you tell them. And Alice Cooper's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll let him go. <laughs> so then Philip ends up getting released. He goes to punch Alice Cooper, but Cooper stops the punch. But it's not a punch. He does like a, like a magic trick to show they were behind his ear the whole time. You see? It is cool. De- Sorry. Uh, now Philip <laughs> starts fighting back, and then we get a chase scene, knocking over crates, falling into boxes. And then Philip finds Marlo and Marlo comes out in like this red room and is like, bro, I've been boning this woman. But then the Greek, the greaser comes out from the back room, punches this woman and is like, I'm your buddy, man. And then they fucking run through some like I, 70s hippie beads <laughs> in the doorway. Then go to some back alley. And OK, the greaser's a good guy now. It's I, dude, so much occurs. So much occurs. I love I love that. I love that. Philip is like, is like, no, we got to go. We're in so much trouble. And, and Marlo's just like Marlo's like, you're not going to believe it, bud. 
maybe this post-apocalyptic place ain't so bad. <laughs> and then, and then out of nowhere, just fucking Danny from Greece just, just fucking power slides into frame and just beats a woman down and goes, go, 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 grease lightning, go, grease lightning. Go, go. Tell me more, tell me more. Did she put up a fight? Okay. Uh, no. Like, quite fucking literally. They just book it out. Because they. This guy who was a dick to him is suddenly like, psych, I'm your friend now. And they're like, okay. Like, these guys okay. deserve to get robbed. They're just trusting everyone. Don't trust anybody in the, in the post apocalypse unless it's like me or Mike. You can trust us. Don't trust anybody else. Trust us. Trust us, guys. We will not steal your liver. Maybe your kidney, but not your liver. We can promise you guys that. So okay, the grease. The grease are like they end up in this alleyway. The grease is like relax, guys. We got to make it through the Ashbury District. Also, every gang in the city is looking out, is looking for you guys because y'all got the keys. And and Philip and Marlo are just like, what the? F- oh shit! But Alice Cooper overhears everything, and the grease is like, listen, I don't want the keys. I don't have a car. But Philip was like, wait a second, why'd you? Why'd you save us? The greaser's like, Miles Archer. As it turns out, yeah, she's waiting for us. Give me the keys and we'll take you there. And then he just fucking bursts out of nowhere. Give me the keys or I'll blow his nuts off. But then Philip hands the keys over. Alice Cooper bursts through. Craziness ensues. We get more chasing. Rusty appears and stabs Alice Cooper. Marlo, I think, frees some cowboys hanging upside down. But then (laughs) Marlo. Marlo and Philip just run through like a farmer's market. Rusty pulls it's, a gun. At, did, did I mention that Philip and Marco are in their underwear and white t-shirts throughout this like whole scene? The entire time, just because Marlo's been having a great time and Philip has been having the worst time. They're both in their underwear for separate reasons. And as they run through, yeah, they have the whole thing with, with Danny from Greece and then from Alice Cooper. That whole thing. And then they run away. But yeah, there's just this random moment where it's like Marlo's just hanging around just like a cowboy who's strung by his ankles. And then Marlo just frees him. And like, that's it. It's, it's just, it is not like, it's like a dirty cowboy or like a cowboy with the twist. It is literally just a rancher. Like full on rancher gear. <laughs> just. I mean, you, men- you mentioned the decades thing. So maybe this is like our like... Um... 1840s like 1840s like i was yeah yeah we'll go with 1840s maybe, maybe that's what we're going for here you know like, yeah 18, eight, to the new frontier yeah, yeah exactly it's, you just as he's as he's as as philip and marlo are running away you just quietly hear one of them hear the cowboy go manifest destiny and you're like oh god ooh, ooh, ooh. so like man i know i know why you were strung up by your ankles they're like shut up up so philip and marlo they remove a grate from the ground they enter and they get a gun pulled on phil but then we cut to somewhere else where this like giant fucking radioactive dog bursts through the ground and marlo like fucking bursts through somewhere else and then some other gangsters wearing like a furry head come and corner Marlo and then they threatens and then they get attacked by the radioactive dog. So then Marlo sees Philip in a car and then gives chase. Rusty watches Marlo from the distance and then Marlo continues to like wander through the city and he finds clothes in like a barrel and then puts them on. It's like a bedazzled jacket and then goes down another alley like looking for shit and he ends up finding Philip. He frees him but Marlo is excited. But then we cut to the kids from earlier talking to some 
demonic robots about finding <laughs> Miles Archer. <laughs> they circle back to the disc to the to the disco mutant kids. And they're hanging yeah, they're hanging out with what like sounds like sounds like a robot who's just like who's just like find them and they're like, we're trying, and then they just say like five swear words. But then Philip and Marlo, they're like, fuck this. They reveal themselves, get shot at, run away. But then Miles later overhears Phil and Marlo talking in the streets and then calls out to them. And Marlo's like, hey, Miles, like, where the fuck you been? But then Miles gets them in their like, I don't know, evil golf cart and then lets Philip and Marlo hop on and they drive away all while Rusty watches. And then we get to the part with a musical number so miles drives philip and marco into uh marlo sorry i said marco marlo marco but thanks marco so into a new york riot like while someone sings along while cenobites or some shit is watching them can we take a second the soundtrack here fucking slaps oh my god i love it it is it is so impressive. Like I it's so weird because yeah, it's like I think it's supposed to be like a riot of some kind, but it feels like they just like it feels like Miles was just like, come on, gang, we gotta get to my place. And then they she just drove through like through like Boston Calling or like 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 a like another like like a like a rock show. Because they're just in there just playing like the fucking guilty, guilty pleasure. pleasure. I love that. I was it's amazing. <laughs> It's, it's just some people that are dressed up like that are dressed up like Mad Max cosplayers and Cenobites and they're just all like jamming out to this one like Joan Jett looking looking girl who's just singing her heart out about guilty pleasures and it is just so awesome. I believe that is uh, Sue Sad S-A-A-D yeah, Susad. Yeah. Susad, sure. She, yeah, she's an actual singer, and like she wrote the song "Guilty Pleasures," I think, and it fucking like it, it goes hard. It goes awesome. hard. If it's either awesome. me, if either me and Mike get roped into this YouTube boxing thing, we'll probably walk out to that song, dude. Oh, oh, dude. If we were in Creator Clash, <laughs> hell yeah, we're walking out to Guilty Pleasures. Real quick, Creator Clash person, you're calling out in three, two, one, go. Harley Morenstein. Oh, that's a, going, that's a bold, that is bold, dude. That's bold, my good sir. I just, I just watched him. I just watched him trade with Sam Hyde. He came out. He was two hundred eighty pounds. And I was like, fuck. You know who I'm calling out? My fucking dad. I'm calling you out. I know you got hands, dude. Dude, he, dude. I watched him. Dude, he beat Matt Watson's ass to the ground. Meet me in kickboxing, Dad. I challenge you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Creator Clash thing aside. So, they so Philip Marlowe and Miles, they enter, like, her apartment, I think. So, Miles goes to change while this girl continues to sing her heart out outside. And Phil is like, he's standing in the corner. He's like, you know, something strange is going on here. But then marlo is just sitting on the couch watching one of those like science electricity balls you know the one that, that you touch oh, and the electricity like, goes towards your fingertips i'm like it's, it's maybe like a tesla coil or something like that i forget what it is but it's literally yeah that's the best part is the entire it's like 
Philip is Philip is the sensible one who's like, hey, shit's really bad and we should take it seriously. And Marlo's like, Marlo has like the the light what is it? What's it called? Self-preservation skills of like a toddler. Like he's like, he's like, oh, it's fun. Wow, what's wrong? And Philip's like, this feels very bad. <laughs> I love Marlo's energy. When it comes to stuff like this, not on any of the other weird sex stuff, but like when he's just out here trying to have a good time, I'm like, we got to respect that. He's like a golden retriever who doesn't know when to stop. Then some after this, some like agent or something sneaks in while Miles is changing. But then Philip ends up finding some top secret documents, arming and launching keys. And then we get a flashback to the explosion from the beginning. And Phil puts two and two together. It's like, oh, the, the keys can launch a nuclear missile. We got to get out of here before it's too late. The miles comes out of nowhere. It is too late, Phil. Then points a gun at them and then monologues. Then Rusty pops up, distracts Philip and Marlo, distracts Philip and Marlo run. Miles shoots. They run through the, like a dominatrix's apartment complex. Boobs. <laughs> it's gotta mention that it's so it's so weird it's just like just like everyone's in everyone's in leather in this apartment everyone else everyone else in this universe is in like we're also in leather but it's more like shoulder pads and like neon hairdos it is sensible leather like if you see a guy with a leather jacket this apartment complex that miles lives in it's just it is just leather daddies it is just it's just like it's just like gimps and people in like bondage gear So Philip and Marlo, they get up outside, they run onto the street, and then we see troops running on a bridge. Everyone's after them. Another chase. We get a lot of chase scenes in this movie. So Philip and Marlo, they drop down onto this like platform, and you know, now they're in trash. Now they're actually in the streets where the singers are still singing guilty pleasures that she's been singing on for like 15 minutes. Like it's on a fucking loop. So the troops chase down after through the crowd, and people throw shit at them. Philip and Marlo, they fight, but they end up in like, I don't know, a sewer. And then she stops singing guilty pleasures. Sadness. So they're taken. So Philip and Marlo end up getting taken hostage somewhere that kind of looks underground. And from just getting captured, I think this sends Philip into like just turning up that angst because he monologues. We now see the world as it is cold and bitter. We become we became infected with the disease. We wanted to get revenge against the world. We weren't kids anymore. And they would all be sorry. <laughs> it's these guys go these guys go full full and th- this is this this is this this may be this may fly over a couple people, but this is like Naruto stuff. So it's like this guy the he, Phil goes full Sasuke. Like he goes yes. full fucking Sasuke. He fucking he's just does. full like he's full like he's full, he goes full the world has turned their back upon me and we see the worlds for who they truly are ugly and disparaging. And you're like god damn okay bud <laughs> just like you guys had one terrible night. I get that but like damn the whole world has turned your back. Oh, all right shit. Okay. Listen, like we said, just go watch some like detective movies, like go do some magic. You'll be fine. You'll be fine tomorrow. I promise. 
watch Marlo's, David Blaine's street magic or whatever. Do, do fucking exactly. Watch David Blaine. Rub one out. That's all you got to do. Not at the same time, though. That's a little <laughs> rub weird. Rub one out and <laughs> rub one out and watch David Blaine. Develop uh, a, a weird affiliation. Yeah, that, that's we're not we're not condoning that. I'm gonna I'm no, gonna say that right we now. We don't. We don't. We don't. That's the, yeah. Exactly. We gotta cover ourselves there. <laughs> so Marlo says, "Hey, they're never gonna get these keys. We are the bait." No more yakking, no more high times, no more nothing. We get intense 80s music rising. They siphon through the trash. Philip smiles. It's all groovy. They they don't say groovy, but you know, that's kind of the vibes that I'm getting from what they're doing. So we cut okay. Rusty running on the roof of some buildings with an assault rifle where she gets cornered again by the swearing children. <laughs> where God the fuck damn fucking keys. <laughs> can we get a spinoff of these kids please they're just so intense they're like, <laughs> what? like it's not like and the, the one thing listeners to note is these kids aren't going like where the fuck are those fucking keys like they're not like these like kids who are like like child actor kid type acting they're old enough to be like, where the fuck are they? Like, they are going full, like, scar-faced levels of yelling and swearing. And you're like, jeez. <laughs> all right, damn. Like, all right. So she gets thrown on the ground, about to get done in for something shoots them. When two shadowy figures appear from the fog, lightning strikes that scares the kids away. Rusty runs to them. It's Philip and Marlo. Philip pulls a gun on her. Rusty begs. Philip pulls the trigger. It's not loaded. And I really want to know what if he just forgot it was loaded and then just fucking just boom, just did her in right in the middle of this fucking movie. Just play it off. Just walk away. Marlo's like, he's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You were serious about all that stuff, weren't you? <laughs> so Rusty apologizes for telling lies. Um, and Phil's like, you know, hey, listen, that was a million years ago. I got short memories. I don't even know who you are. And Marlo's like, forget it, sister. Come on, Phil. Let's go push some muscle. So Phil I, and Marlo walk away. Before, before, before they walk away, I, I the one thing I want to bring to light is how Philip and Marlo entered that scene. Because Philip and Marlo, because you know, the get the, the the disco mutant kids got scared away by the thunder, and Rusty was just sitting there. There was this huge billowing of smoke that completely covered the opposite end of the screen. And you see the camera pan and hold on just this wall of smoke. And they emerged from it like an 80s like music video. Like I half expected to hear Total Eclipse of the Heart just start blaring in the background. Because they march out and just sort of hold a pose like these debonair like badasses. And then they go through the whole scene. Listen, motherfucking Albert Pune just left that fog machine just running overnight. And then we come to this. It's amazing. It's so awesome. It's so so fucking awesome. But anyways, they walk off. So Rusty tries to uh, explain herself to Phil, but Phil's like, you double crossed me. So beat it. I don't want to see you again. But Rusty's like, please let me do something. You don't know what it took. Like I needed to do to survive. But then Philip, looking cool, starts to walk away. He's like, you know, me and Marlo used to be a couple of swell Joes. Now we're carrying so much hate and jade. We're no better than you. 
walks away, <laughs> lights a cig. And it's here where it hit me that this whole movie is the epitome of bros before socially acceptable women. No, hey, there's some truth to that. That being said, my favorite, my favorite thing is what was going through my head as they walked off was, so what if you could see the darker <laughs> the side, side of me? <laughs> if you could see the animal I have become. Oh, yes. The Sigma male way walking away with your boys. <laughs> Hell yeah. Top G shit. Dude, what's even edgier is that Rusty's like, they'll kill you, Phil. And Phil's like, I'd like to see them try. And it's just so cool. <laughs> like, like, fuck, he's so awesome. He's so awesome. So Phil and Marlo, they enter a club and then Miles is behind them. So they walk past people and people are staring at Miles. The 80s music continues to rise. Philip's voiceovers like so far. Our little stroll through Edge City was rough. We just needed all the gangs hunting us to kill each other before killing us. So we cut we cut to some dark warehouse. Miles has a gun, but then Philip and Marlo startle her and take her gun. Miles is like, okay, your move. But then her gang pops out of nowhere and takes control. And Miles, you know, they wrestle Philip and Marlo to um to submission. Miles puts a knife to Marlo's neck. And all the gang appears, and like every single fucking gang that we've seen, including the swearing kids. They're yes. all here, but then one gang makes the first move, and then it's all fucking like they're all firing at each other. We got like one, like one of those like frogmen that you see in the military, like just fucking pulls a gun on Phil and feels like, try me and I'll drop the keys. Miles is like, it's Philip and Marlo you're dealing with. But then this like frogman reptile guy is like, son of a bitch. I know these guys from a very long time ago. One guy removes his reptile mask, and it's Marlo's dad. We're like, son of a bitch. And it turns out the reptiles are the bosses of the child gangsters. When we get a flashback to Marlo's dad teaching them how to read, the other guy, Philip's dad, you know, they're they're all cutting up. It's all good time. And then the other reptile is revealed to be Philip's dad. But Phil is like, it's the creeps that locked us in that bomb shelter. And they've come back to get these keys and kill us. And Marlo's like, no, 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 they, they don't care about the keys. Then Miles puts a gun to Marlo's head. She wants the keys. The guy's end up throwing the keys. We get a pause. And then the kids get eaten by the demonic sewer dog <laughs> that was set up earlier in the movie. It is just... Word. Dude, it's so... It's so... It is... I love that this movie's choice... I love this movie's choice of how to break the tension. Because this is such a tense moment. Like, you can feel the weight. Like, it's like, oh, my God. Their dads are the ones control who are part of this gang hunting them down. Miles has a gun to gun to Marlo's head. Then just out of nowhere, like, the sewer monster just emerges and kills the kids. And you're like, okay, okay, cool. I guess we're that's the point we're going with. No, no, listen, it was just, it was just Chekhov's sewer dog. That's it. You know, they, they set yeah, it up exactly. at the beginning. It's going to go off at some point, and boom, here we are. I think I remember hearing Chekhov say, if there is a sewer dog in the first half, it must go off by the third half, by the it, th- final part of the third half. 
Mike, dude, you, you, you could, you could do screenwriting. You could do writing. Absolutely. I can, I can see Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> I have to loop a sewer dog into, <laughs> into it now. So Miles starts to run. Philip and Marlowe's parents start shooting at everybody. Philip and Marlowe run and hide while their dads do all the work. Things are exploding. Bridges are collapsing. It's all going to hell. Gangsters are, you know, shooting at their dads. Philip and Marlowe scream. Their dads get shot at. And the two, Philip and Marlowe somehow zip line out of a burning building, collide with evildoers, make the wall collapse. But then later we see the dads still have the keys. Miles takes the keys from them. Philip and Marlowe watch from afar. She puts a gun on them. And Marlowe has a gun pointed as well. And Miles is like, huh. You don't have the guts. So what do they do? They pace around each other for a long time. Fire all around them. Miles, just like lol, thanks, and starts to turn away when JK Marlowe says, fuck around and find out, and shoots and kills her damn care. Like, the fucking character arc for Marlowe from, from being a, a creep to women to fucking killing a woman. Like, Still, <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? So Usually bad. it's... You, <laughs> It's that is development. I don't know if it's positive development, but it's development. It's it's you it's know a what? thing. He, he changes. He changes. He goes from he, he goes from he goes from let me creep on him to let me kill them. <laughs> like, which is you know again word I guess. <laughs> okay, you uh, don't you change. Don't go doing that in our uh, in our society nowadays, Marlo. And I think I think you'll be okay. Like, yeah, Marlo. Let's leave that in 1984. Let's leave that. Or sorry, 2010 when this movie takes. Oh yeah, place. yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. 2010. <laughs> so Marlo uh, talks to his dead father. He's like, "I got the keys back, and no one's gonna get me." Philip stands over his father. He's like, "Who are we, anyways? What happened all those years ago?" But then Daddy Phil is just like, "The past is past." Get on with your life, kid. And then dies. Those are some bitching last words, if I do say so myself. <laughs> it's like, usually it's usually it's like it's like, I know I wasn't Never. the best dad to you, but I tried my hardest. This guy was like, he was gonna like shut up and live your life, kid, and he just dies. And you're like, do I do <laughs> like that's hardcore? <laughs> Fucking respect. So uh Philip was just like, oh thanks, Pop. So Marlowe and Phil stand together. It's all emotional. They take an elevator up to the surface and they open it and it opens. All the people are waiting for them. Philip monologues. When I saw all those knuckleheads, I was wondering if we had another fight on our hands. I started to wonder if saving the world was worth it. But then I realized it was just like being Marlowe. Looking for a few high times. After everything we've been through, I figured Marlo's silver lining was all we had. And Phil turns to Marlo and is like, hey, partner, how about teaching me them steps? You know, the post-nuke shuffle. And Marlo's eyes just light up like a fucking puppy dog. And Phil was like, I figured it's the time we lighten up. You know, it's the only life we got. So Marlo nods. He's about to cry. He's like, follow me out, partner, because we're going to do some dancing. And we get a dance break. And it's all happy and it's the song is amazing and i really think that me and mike need to like do this dance it's Absolutely. like a swing dance we got like our mad mac like we so phil like they ends do, up model they do a dance number it's can amazing. we not address the fact that they it's end up post-apocalyptic noir movie 
with with shooting, swearing, and just a lot of violence. Just with just with a tap dance and dance number that's a little swingy. Oh <laughs> yeah, it is. It's amazing. I mean, it really is. This is like one of those. It just rounds everything out, and you're like, hell yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and just conquer my dreams. Mm-hmm. So Philip is like, oh yeah. So Phil's like. That was our first day going out in the post-nuke world. After taking some time off, Marlo went looking for more girls, and I went looking for Rusty. Oh, and those keys? We hid them. Why not destroy them? In a tight jam, a nuclear missile might come in handy. And (laughs) yet we end the movie with a threat of nuclear war. Hell yeah. I just love I just love the looming threat that Phil that Phil just gave to like the place he now lives where he's like, hey, hitting the planet one more time with one it, to benefit me directly wouldn't hurt. And you're like, Jesus Christ. You're like, OK, bud. Holy, holy shit. Holy shit. You're like, I'll, all right, man. You know, you, you the power of the sun. In the palm of my hand, like, dude. Oh, literally, he could literally just drop the sun on someone as like a fucking fuck around and find out threat. Yeah, but dude, you know, we got through this movie very quick, guys. But I don't think that needs to take away from the fact that radioactive dreams. We like having this movie and a night to dismember back to back. It's it's very interesting. Wouldn't you agree? Because both of these movies are really what this podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. The the both of these really encapsulate what this what this podcast is all about, and it feels like it feels like a mini hangover hangover duology or or duo. You know, because it's like neither of these. I was like, Jesus Christ, I regret watching these. Both of them, I'm like, I sat there and just went, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad I watched this. Yeah, I'm dude, I really am glad that we were able to that I was able to find this movie. So again, thank you to a uh, VHSPS. Um guys definitely go, you know, follow them on Instagram. They're not sponsoring this. I just want you guys to know like, hey, if these guys introduced us to this movie, so I want to get do them the favor of, you know, shouting them out. But yeah, mm-hmm. Radioactive Dreams, guys. You can find this movie. Go check it out. It is it's a trip. And you're really not going to see a combination of genres like this anywhere else. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're just not. Exactly. It is. It's a. Tr- it's always a treat when cross when co- cross genre bending movies like this come about. And and it's honest to God, it is such a diamond in the rough. Like it is so fantastic, and it's free on YouTube. It's really kind of just a. Like a like a what's holding you back sort of scenario for me at least like you're like just sitting there waiting for waiting for like a Friday night with you and your buds. Yeah, and go listen to the soundtrack as well, uh, so you can work out to it because you will get fucking swole listening to Absolutely. this soundtrack. Absolutely, this oh my lord, it is such a great soundtrack. My God. I mean, I feel I feel like that just sums it up perfectly. So, guys, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, Mike. This was a fun episode. I had a blast with this one. <laughs> oh, Go follow yeah. us on social media. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, guys. We provide movie news. We provide updates about the podcast. 
go check us out instagram twitter youtube and yeah tell tell your friends tell your tell everybody about us and uh yeah mike mike what do you what do you have what do you have to end us with oh uh, you know when you're when you're when you just finished a wild night with your best buddy sometimes it's good to break out into a dance number sometimes you should break out into dance numbers about it go go out and I don't know what what's what's the, what's the dance now? What's the dance nowadays? Flossing? I don't know. You've go floss it. with your homies. No, you <laughs> yes, go default dance at the at the club with your buddies. It's like a flash mob, but you're just Fortnite dancing. Fortnite dancing is still cool, right, guys? Right? <laughs> I'm just fucking. Around. All right, guys. Well, we will see y'all next week. See you next week, everybody.